Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to DIRT Environmental Solutions 2020 Q1 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are on a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Kim McEachran. Thank you. Please go ahead, madam. Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's call to discuss DIRT's first quarter 2020 results. Joining me on the call are DIRT's Chief Executive Officer, Kevin O'Meara, and Chief Financial Officer, Jeff Krause. Management's prepared remarks today are accompanied by presentation slides. To access the slides, please view them from the webpage of this webcast or go to the Investors section of DIRT's website. The earnings press release that was issued yesterday afternoon can also be found on our website. Today's call will include forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable Canadian and United States securities laws. These statements are based on the company's current intent, expectations, and projections. They are not guarantees of future performance. In addition, this call will include references to non-GAAP results, excluding special items. Please reference our Form 10-Q as filed on May 6, 2020 with the Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, and other reports and filings with the SEC for information regarding forward-looking statements and reconciliations of non-GAAP results to GAAP results. I will also remind you that this webcast is being recorded and the replay will be available today at approximately 1 p.m. Eastern time. I will now turn the call over to Kevin. Thank you, Kim, and thank you everyone joining us today. Before Jeff reviews our first quarter financial results, I'd like to discuss both the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our business and how we're proceeding with our strategic plan in this uncertain environment. These are summarized on slide four. Search response to COVID began early and continues to emphasize the health and safety of our employees, customers, and communities. Across most of North America, construction was deemed an essential service early in the pandemic's onsite and our manufacturing operations have continued uninterrupted. We've implemented work-from-home policies for our non-factory employees and have instituted strict access restrictions and social distancing measures within our factories, all consistent with health authority protocols. While most construction sites remain open across North America and we continue to deliver projects, we've seen some project delays impacted by the implementation of social distancing and other safety-related measures on site. Within our immediate pipeline, we are seeing some delays, but so far, no cancellation of orders. As a result of all of these factors, we are taking a more measured approach to executing our strategic plan, moving forward to make the most of opportunities before us without incurring excessive financial risk. We've curtailed discretionary and essential spending, including our annual Connects trade show. However, we are continuing to selectively hire for sales and marketing positions that are critical to the success of our strategic plan. Notably, we hired our director of partner programs, our third regional sales director, and added one person to our strategic accounts team. With these additions, we have completed the hiring of all the people who will report directly to our chief commercial officer. 
We will delay filling certain other roles until we have a better sense of business conditions. We've continued to upgrade our sales management process and move forward with improving our commercial systems. We also added two new distribution partners, one in Texas and one in Wisconsin, and having ongoing conversations with several other prospective distribution partners in underpenetrated geographic areas. Finally, we made the decision to move forward with the commissioning of our South Carolina plant in the first half of 2021. With state-of-the-art automation, we expect a new plant to provide significant improvement in cost efficiency and material yield, while at the same time reducing the risk inherent in operating a single tile plant. We consider this a very prudent business decision for the future and a clear mitigation of risk. We've been deploying our new marketing capability to respond to the pandemic. In March, when all indications were that North America's healthcare systems would come under considerable strain and require additional infrastructure, we quickly mobilized to increase our visibility among targeted healthcare clients and other organizations who influence healthcare facility decisions. Our teams collaborated to develop a pre-designed, scalable, standalone healthcare solution that could be ordered, delivered, and installed quickly. In the ensuing weeks, with lower than anticipated need for peak or overflow facilities, the large-scale emergency response demand is diminished. While we've had some small COVID-related projects, the relationships that have grown out of our COVID-related initiatives and that we will build upon post-pandemic represent excellent opportunities for both our strategic accounts and large project teams. From an operational perspective, the most critical short-term goal we had laid out in our strategic plan was to focus on safety. Last quarter, we reported a 50% reduction in safety-related recordable incidents at the end of 2019 versus 2018. In the first quarter of this year, we achieved a 92% reduction from the same period last year. In real terms, this means that four of our five facilities had no reportable injuries during the first quarter, and the fifth facility had two. Don't get me wrong, even one injury is too many. However, these results are an indication of how far we've come in a short period of time and is a tremendous accomplishment for our entire organization. We're moving forward with quality and delivery improvements, as well as identifying opportunities to further implement lean manufacturing processes to ensure operational efficiency. In fact, last week was our first week when every facility met or exceeded our quality goal. We remain on track to achieve continuous improvement within our manufacturing operations by year end. Looking forward, we recognize this pandemic will disrupt long-held assumptions about how people and businesses interact and gather, and this will present both challenges and opportunities for us. Organizations may embrace the ability of their workforce to operate from home, thus reducing the need for commercial office space. We may also see an increased desire for less open workspaces and more focus on opportunities for social distancing for both physical and mental well-being. In addition, needs may evolve over time as companies experience new ways of working. Regardless of the trends that emerge, the flexibility to create custom spaces to meet current needs and modify them as needs evolve is core to DIRT's DNA. The ability to reduce the number of tradespeople working on a job site is also a longstanding part of our value proposition, which we believe will become even more relevant going forward. It is our intention to deploy our newly established commercial organizational capabilities to maximize sales opportunities and engagement with end clients, architects and designers, and general contractors throughout targeted and thoughtful marketing campaigns. We are prepared and eager to drive market share growth for DIRT in whatever market is available to us. With that, I will turn the call over to Jeff for a financial review. Thank you, Kevin. I'd like to begin by reviewing some of the additional steps we took to address the COVID pandemic. 
in early 2020, we commenced a process of reviewing our credit facility. This process expanded to include other forms of equipment lease financing to ensure liquidity in the face of considerable uncertainty. On May 4th, we entered into a seven-year revolving Canadian dollar $5 million equipment capital lease facility at an implied lease rate of 4.25%. We also entered into a five-year $16 million equipment capital lease facility to fund equipment purchases for our new South Carolina plant at an implied lease rate of approximately 3.5%. The U.S. facility is extendable for an additional year. We expect to draw on approximately 7.3 million of these facilities in May to fund purchases, uh, fund equipment purchased and deposits made in 2019. With the establishment of the U.S. equipment leasing facility and the increased liquidity it provides, we will provide, proceed with commissioning activities of the South Carolina plant's chroma coat production line in the second half of 2020 with commercial operations expected to commence in the first half of 2021. The incremental cash cost of commissioning this plant is approximately $4 million, of which approximately $2 million is expected to be funded with our new capital lease facility and $2 million from cash on hand. If you recall, in the second half of 2019, we made equipment deposits of $4.5 million, we expect our spending in 2020 related to the South Carolina plant to be $10.5 million, comprised of the remaining cost of the equipment as well as a portion of the commissioning cost. With the balance of commissioning completed in 2021, the, with the balance completed in 2021, the timing of these expenditures depends on the receipt of the major pieces of equipment being manufactured in Italy that were originally scheduled to be delivered in September. We estimate COVID-19 will delay delivery by two to three months. We are, going to, we are going to defer moving forward on the millwork component, which is expected to cost approximately $2 million of the total $18.5 million. While we are currently in compliance with all of our revolving credit facility covenants, we have taken steps to ensure the availability of the revolver during these challenging times. Accordingly, we have reached an agreement in principle with our lender, subject to definitive agreements, to provide near-term covenant relief on our existing credit facility, modifying the borrowing base to be based on working capital, subject to an aggregate cap of Canadian $50 million, including the aforementioned leasing facilities. The covenant relief extends until October 2020, at which point we will seek further relief if necessary. At the end of the quarter, we had Canadian $30 million or $21.4 million U.S. equivalent of unused credit capacity under a revolving credit facility and $43.5 million of cash. With that background, let's now turn to the first quarter's results on slide five. Revenue for the first quarter was $41 million, a decline of 37% from the comparable period of 2019 and a sequential decline from last year's fourth quarter. As we've discussed, we've been experiencing a prolonged disruption to our sales pipeline, particularly with respect to larger size projects. As it relates to our partner network, in the quarter, we added the reporting of discrete partner relationships, which was 78 as well as opposed to or as opposed to partner locations which was 93 that is the way we only reported previously we believe this is a more appropriate uh, presentation on slide six 
Adjusted gross profit margin was 38% in the quarter, a decline from 39.6% for the, from the comparable 2019 period, but a sequential improvement despite lower revenue. As in Q4 2019, we separately classified $2 million of costs related to our underutilized capacity within cost of sales. This number is reflected in the adjusted gross profit margin calculation. The improvement compared to Q4 2019 was a result of the many steps we took to manage our operational costs. In the quarter, we reduced our factory staffing by 14%. We also reduced the length of shifts in our factory from 12 hours to 10 hours per day and instituted planned factory curtailments. Subsequent to the end of the quarter, we further reduced our factory labor by an additional 12%, bringing the total production headcount to 600 in response to current sales volumes. On slide seven, as a result of a shift in the cost structure of our plants and the recent changes in revenue levels, in the near term, our monthly fixed plant overhead costs are approximately 1.9 to 2 million. From a contribution margin perspective, every dollar of revenue contributes approximately 54 cents of gross margin after deducting direct materials as well as variable labor costs. These numbers are an update from what we shared with you at our analyst day last November. It is important to note that our plant labor is quasi-variable, being more variable as activity increases through the use of overtime and increased hours, but sticky to the downside. Slide eight details the breakdown of operating expenses. As you can see, overall operating expenses have remained relatively consistent from the comparable period of last year. Looking at slide nine, adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA margin for the year, uh, for the quarter decreased to negative 5.4 million and negative 13.2% respectively, compared to the first quarter of 2019. This decrease was driven by the 10.1 million decrease in adjusted gross profit, the $2 million of underutilized capacity and $800,000 of higher litigation costs incurred in 2020. Ensuring we maintain liquidity through this uncertain period is paramount, and we remain highly focused on the conversion of working capital to cash, including an increased focus on accounts receivable collection. Despite this, and during the quarter, we increased our allowance for doubtful accounts by 600,000 to reflect increased collection risk related to certain distribution partners. We continue to monitor the financial health of our partners. As a backstop, we acquired trade credit insurance effective April 1st, 2020. Like us, our partners are focused on the safety of their employees and liquidity. We are encouraged that construction in North America has not stopped and that we have only seen project deferrals as opposed to cancellations. That said, these are challenging times for everyone. Net working capital as at March 31st, 2020 was 51 million compared to 58.6 million at December 31st, 2019 and included $43.5 million of cash with no debt. Despite a slow quarter, our current ratio remained healthy at 2.4 times versus 2.7 times at December 31st, 2019. Turning to slide 10, net loss for the quarter was 5.3 million, or six cents per share, driven largely by the change in gross profit. The loss was consistent with the first quarter of 2019, which included 6.4 million of stock-based compensation expense and 2.6 million of reorganization expenses compared to 500,000 and nil respectively in 2020. We also benefited from increased foreign exchange gains and income tax recoveries in the first quarter of 2020. 
Excluding the cost of the equipment and commissioning of the South Carolina plant as described previously, which is largely funded by our new equipment leasing facility, we expect our ongoing capital expenditures for 2020 to be between 6 million and 8 million, directed mainly towards our DXC refresh in Chicago, our new DXC in Dallas, commercial systems implementations, and software development activities. Let's now touch on our revenue outlook. Given where dirt fits in the construction schedule, typically closer to completion, our current deliveries are for projects that are well underway as the COVID-19 pandemic hit North America. Our average daily order entry levels for April have been only slightly lower than the average daily order entry for the first quarter of this year. However, since none of us know how long the crisis will last, or as Kevin discussed, what the overall impact on the commercial construction industry will be, we have taken decisive action to enhance DIRT's financial flexibility during what may be a prolonged period of economic uncertainty. We have done an extensive analysis and developed multiple contingency plans depending on the timing and the magnitude of the effects of COVID-19 on our end markets and the related cash needs of the company. While in a worst case scenario, further actions to reduce costs would be required, we are confident that we will continue to have the balance sheet to support operations going forward. I will now turn the call back to Kevin for closing remarks. Kevin. Thank you, Jeff. Turning to slide 11, I want to conclude by talking about the strategic plan we laid out in November. Both the management team and the board remain wholly committed to those priorities and strategies. The roadmap we laid out then remains as relevant, if not more, in the current environment. While we will encounter some delays in implementation of the overall strategic plan as a result, we continue to focus on the following measures of success. Staffing our commercial organization. While we were targeting to complete the hiring in our commercial organization by year-end, we are now delaying non-critical hires to remain financially flexible in dealing with the current market uncertainty. However, we have made nearly all of the critical additions to our commercial team. Implementing sales tools. We are focused on improving our CRM processes and related commercial systems. We're revising the partner portal we'd planned rebuilding the user interface, and building out resources for our partners on our existing platform rather than migrating to a new standalone site. The total cost of ownership tool remains a priority to be launched in the fourth quarter. This tool will assist our sales reps, partners, and everyone involved in the construction process to accurately assess the value DIRT delivers over conventional construction, including both day one costs and ongoing operating costs. Tracking conversion rates at every stage of the sales funnel. We've begun tracking conversion rates in our current forecasting system and will continue on this path once our CRM system is in place. We anticipate full lead tracking to be in effect by mid-year. Securing at least two national account agreements. We continue to have active discussions with numerous clients and feel confident we're moving forward in these conversations. Injury rates below BLS standard. We believe we are now operating at a sustained level far below BLS standards. Improving quality and on-time delivery performance. Our success in dramatically improving safety is enabling us to devote additional time to improving our quality and on-time delivery, as well as drive efficiency throughout our operations. We will complete our step function improvements by the end of 2020 and then enter into continuous improvement phase of our lean journey. Wrapping up now on slide 12, while COVID-19 has presented considerable uncertainty to North American economic activity, we've responded with appropriate, conservative financial and operational management decisions 
and we remain fully committed to the objectives of our strategic plan while continually evaluating long-term financial targets associated with that plan. We are positioning DIRT to take full advantage of the range of opportunities to develop in our market. I would like to specifically thank our tremendous employees who have demonstrated resiliency and commitment to the face of extraordinary circumstances over the past several months. Your dedication to DIRT and our collective mission is the foundation of our organization. Operator would now like to open the call for any questions. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Just a reminder, to ask a question, you must be on the telephone. You cannot ask a question via the webcast. Please stand by we compile a Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Rupert Muir from National Bank. Your line is open. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Morning, morning, Rupert. Can you give us a sense of the percentage of the orders that you've seen uh, being postponed with with COVID nineteen? Um, uh, it's it's uh, uh, it's in the it's mainly been in the uh, second quarter so far. Um, uh, somewhere in the range of, uh, you know, uh, five to, uh, five to 10 million ish, but we're also seeing some stuff come in, but that's, that's kind of what we're seeing, uh, right now. Uh, it is fluid. I think it's, it's more a function of, um, people looking to see what's, what's happening within their areas, uh, and then, uh, updating the construction schedules accordingly. And do you have any, any color on, when those orders may be delivered, is it indeterminate at this point, or are you seeing uh, some of the markets which have shut down starting to open up, or some indication of when they they could open up? Rupert, it's Kevin. I, the short answer is nominally it, they shift um, either to a later month or to a later quarter. It's driven less by jurisdictions being open or not open than it is individual job sites. And um, be it a job site closed for 14 days because somebody was diagnosed with COVID and the general contractor decides to shut it, or where historically you might have both the electricians and the plumbers working on the floor, and instead they split it up to get more social distancing, and that slows the, the process down. I think the reality is nobody knows. It's a job site by job site um, analysis. Um, and, and location by location. It's not as simple as saying, you know, 20% of the jurisdictions won't let us work, and now they will, and so that, that will come forward. It's, uh, it's very uncertain in an on-job site basis. Okay, thanks. And you mentioned that the order entry in uh, Q2 so far is only slightly lower than, than Q1. So is that an indication for where revenues headed for for Q2 at this point would uh, would Q1 be a a good proxy for what we should expect in Q2? Um, I'll answer that in a couple of ways. I think the the first piece is uh, as you know uh, the uh, shelter in place orders really started happening in uh, in the last half of March and. Uh, uh, we were encouraged that uh, that the order entry uh, uh, continued into uh, into April, 
at that at that same level. Uh, those were jobs that were were currently ongoing. The the larger question for us is um, what happens in the next two months. And as Kevin said, it's it's it is pretty uncertain relative to what happens on each of the individual job sites and how that goes. I think the other thing that I would say on that, uh, Rupert, is when you look at the split of what the the projects were, they, they followed our normal uh, distribution. We had 67% in the commercial side, uh, 12 in the healthcare, 11 in, in government, and uh, 10 in education. We'll see how that moves forward, but it's very difficult at this point for us to tell uh, what kind of the next two months will look like as uh, as areas open up and as job sites uh, uh, deal with uh, distancing in the trades. Okay, thanks. And just finally, uh, I understand that you know, sales and marketing efforts can be uh, challenged uh, today, but are you seeing any uh, green shoots or any benefits of your efforts to uh, start pulling in some some larger jobs? Uh, yes, I think um, we are starting to get some traction on some larger jobs. Um, consistent with what we've said, looking backwards, those have long sales cycles. And so I don't know that any of those are ones that you will see in 2020, but we are starting to see uh, a pickup in the pipeline of the larger jobs that are over, over $2 million. All right, thanks. I'll, uh, I'll jump back in the queue. Thanks, Rupert. Your next question comes from the line of Greg Palm from Craig Hallam Capital. Your line is open. Hi, guys. This is actually uh, Danny Egrich on for Greg today. Hey, Danny. Um, I guess just looking at, at the demand environment, uh, possibly coming out of, of this current situation, uh, could you give some color on, on possible pent-up demand for renovations or um, what about new builds? And, and could you possibly remind us of the mix uh, between those two? It's um, it's highly variable. Um, I don't know that we've got great numbers as it relates to to our mix, um, which is only part of the story because where a lot of the uh, activity happens, it's an important part of our um, part of our value proposition is uh, our partners doing reconfigurations that are happening every day, every weekend of the year. Uh, so. I'll have Jeff give you kind of uh, his approximation when I finish, but um, but that'll just be a small piece of the reconfiguration renovation um, number. And the reason is that's because you can reuse and our and our solutions are modular. We don't necessarily sell a whole lot more when somebody does a reconfiguration. But setting that aside, um, as it turns uh, in terms of what people are looking at, it's very early days, and people are still trying to figure out. Um, what's the right approach for them to take and um, and being very strategic about it and kind of dipping their toe back in, just wanting to make sure that their people uh, remain safe. And so that's where we're mobilizing our efforts to make sure that our value proposition that has been the same for 15 years and, and is, resonates for what's going on now in terms of very quick lead times, um, the ability to do the reconfigurations. So if you want to have lots of discrete offices now, but think when the, uh, down the road for a variety of reasons, you might want to have a more open plan, we could certainly help you with that, all with uh, very few people on the job site and a very clean um, construction uh, uh, job site. Um, and so I think that, uh, that is something that, um, that we will be uh, playing to. The other thing that we will put a strong sales push on is um, – 
jobs that are currently in process where somebody elected to go with conventional construction and they find out that um, the schedule really hasn't moved even though you've lost one to three months uh, of construction time now they may reconsider and decide that in order to hit their original construction schedule they need to finish the interior with a prefabricated solution from us as opposed to staying conventionally so there are any number of avenues that we're going to pursue it's just early days knowing exactly how much traction we're going to get and getting a sense as to what the coming quarters hold and jeff you want to go ahead and answer the split between uh, renovation and, uh, and new construction in our mix yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, our data is not phenomenal on that historically, but it's it's tended to trend around 50-50, so. All right, great. Uh, that's really helpful. And then, I guess, moving to uh, distribution partners and the financial shape, are you are you guys mm -hmm. worried at all um, about, about certain distribution partners and their ability to withstand this kind of near-term shock? Yeah, we're, we're I guess, like every... Uh, like every uh, like every company, we're we're looking at what our uh, what our customers, which are our distribution partners, and and what their financial health is. Um, our our best measure of that is how payments are coming in and what our uh, what our receivables and DSOs look like. Our DSO was really uh, was still really healthy. Um, uh, we haven't seen any significant impact on our collections, um, but uh, I would be. Uh, 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 I would be, it would be imprudent for us not to be watching that. Um, they're watching their cash just like we're watching our cash. Uh, I'd say so far so good. We'll see what happens as uh, this continues. And if, if, uh, um, if uh, construction sites get back, get back to work very quickly and uh, commercial market opens up really quickly, um, probably don't need quite as much attention as we're, we're putting on it, but we're watching it. We don't have concerns yet, but it is it is certainly uh, very high on our radar. Great, and then just uh, one last one for me. Um, how do you see the, I guess, potential for the use of, of technology as, as we emerge from this crisis and um, possibly even like, like your VR solution? Um, Increasing fairly significantly throughout everything that we do, uh, starting with um, we're going to be rolling out a, a virtual uh, client tour experience so that um, the experience that we give people when they come to Calgary and, and meet our people and tour the plants and, uh, and get the full experience of our capabilities, um, we're going to be able to do that on a, on a virtual basis, uh, which I think will become um, come pretty, critically important. Uh, and then also one of the attributes of our solutions is the ability to embed technology throughout everything that we do. So be it uh, touchless um, entry sensors or um, enhanced video conferencing capabilities, et cetera, we can um, put together the, um, depending upon which way you're going, we can either fully install it uh, in one of our plants or put in place the, the wiring and the infrastructure in order to do that. So we're very well positioned to respond to whatever the technological needs are that somebody uh, will need um, will need in their space. All right, great. That's uh, that's all for me. Thanks, guys. Again, Thank if you. again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star and then one on your telephone. Your next question comes from the line of Josh William, Wilson from Raymond James. Your line is open. Thanks. Good morning, Kevin and Jeff, and thanks for taking my Good questions. Good morning. Morning. And I, I had trouble getting connected to the call, so I apologize if some of this has been covered. 
but you, you talked in the, the filing some about uh, eliminating some underperforming distribution partners and also recruiting some new ones. Could you walk us through the decision process and the eliminations and what the pipeline might look like for uh, adding others to the to the fold in the coming quarters? Um, sure, I'll take that one. Um, the single probably biggest determinant um, of the likelihood of a, of a distribution partner being successful is um, where are they in their individual market in terms of, of size uh, of competitors? So for an office furniture uh, dealer, we would like to, uh, to have the number one or number two, obviously, because we're relying on them for their customer relationships as well as their uh, installation capability and their financial wherewithal. All of that comes together with size and with market presence and, and a history of success. And so what we have seen is that a couple of things, in a couple of, of core markets, Either we didn't have enough partners. New York is uh, is an example of that, and um, and the partner that was there was clearly not uh, number one or number two. Um, and then the, in in the Texas market, the the partner we had was like the sixth largest. And you also see it in terms of how they perform historically. Are they selling the full solution, et cetera? Um, we have found a very strong reception when we have approached uh, potential partners in terms of taking on dirt and we're focusing on the number one or number two uh, that we think will drive the most success. And then the, after you have the initial conversation, what becomes very important is asking them for a business plan and what kind of resources are they uh, committed to um, uh, in the marketplace um, investing because what our history shows us is that you need to have a, a standalone dedicated dirt team. A lot of times it will be rebranded, and we can really help them through that, but there is a, a startup amount of capital that's required uh, to get going, and so we help them uh, through that. Um, in terms of the pipeline, I think that you could see anywhere over the next uh, 6 to 12 months, 2 to 8 to give it a, a wide band, um, this is also where we've had a, a variety of experiences with, uh, with COVID. Um, a couple just you know, took a, a couple of week delay and then we were able to sign up pretty quickly. A few others, the delay has been a little bit longer. So I think we will have a little bit of a delay going forward and there's a little bit of a challenge getting them onboarded. Uh, it is easier to get people onboarded, to have them come to the factory, um, and get hands-on experience, but we're also prepared to onboard partners. With, um, with virtual tools and have a dedicated team uh, for onboarding them. Thanks. And just so we're clear on the, the gross margin outlook, that, that slide you provided, is that following all of the, the labor cuts and how should we think about that two million of underutilization persisting in the, the next few quarters? Uh, yeah, so that that uh, that is uh, following the uh, the um, cuts that we did at the end of April. So you will see some underutilization within uh, uh, within April, though I don't think it's it's sufficient for us to call out. Um, uh, but that's uh, that's really the the go forward at the at the plant level. Got it. Thanks. There are no further questions at this time. Kevin O'Meara, I turn the call back over to you. Thanks for joining us today. I hope we've given you a thorough picture of the steps we're taking to keep our employees safe, improve our operations, and enhance our commercial organization, all while being very prudent with our finances. 
We're highly focused on execution, such that whatever the timing and pace of economic recovery and related demand, we're positioned to take full advantage of the market available to us. Thank you, and have a good rest of your day. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.